intro, still working out the kinks. <laughs> still, still working that out as a sound technician. Brand new intro. Hot off the fucking press. It is your boy Six Pack Lapidat, and we have Randy Cook. Cook. Randy Cook is back. Where you been, sir? Working, working on some Glovo gyms. Working and living and doing life. You were telling me earlier about um. We were just talking how, when you were at the gym, we don't got to drop his name, but there's a, a dude, probably every gym has a dude like this. Slender, ripped dude, long hair, ponytail, of course, trains yoga mostly. Yes. And does mobility exercises. It smells bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> every gym's got to do this, but you're saying one thing doesn't fit. You think he's, he's so mellow and shit. But he was losing his shit in like his mobility class or whatever. What were you saying? You well, I was just saying he's, he was in there and he was training, and one of his guys picked up his phone to answer a thing, and he's he started freaking out on him. I mean, it was actually nice to see someone freaking out on someone using a cell phone at the gym. But at the same time, it was like I, I thought he was kind of a hippie, but yeah, clear, clearly that went out the fucking window. He's like, "Come on, Brett, yeah. put your fucking phone away. Come on, man." But uh, I know what you mean where every gym's got to do like that. I've been in like so many different gyms and there's always a couple eccentric guys who are somewhat like hippie style. But this dude's a little more hard-edged. But you're saying he actually does some weightlifting. Yeah, he's, I, he's not a small cat. No, he's not. Big upper body. I see him do deads. I see him do squats. Everything's, it's mobility, but it's also a lot of uh, just body weight movements and stuff like that. And, mm -hmm. um, I've seen him over the last couple of years. He just, he's gotten a lot bigger in size of what he's doing. Like for, It intrigues me like... So he must be weightlifting because you can't get bigger doing that shit. Well, you can get bigger. There's, you think so? Yes. There's guys out there that, that have done it. There's there's NBA players that have talked about that um, that were like have grown in size and a lot stronger. And a lot of it is through like, like it's muscle, just, muscle ups. And it gets a lot of it's upper body, but it's holds and different things like yeah. that. I just can't in my mind to have a picture getting much bigger doing that. Gymnasts. You know what I mean? Gymnasts are big boys. But they're not in real life. I feel like if you met them in real life, they're like 155 pounds and they're not as big. But if you see like a five foot two dude, 155, and he looks ripped. When you look ripped, you look bigger. When you see him in real life, I can't picture him being that big. You know what I mean? Like when you're ripped, you look big. It depends. Like the gymnasts, and you see some of those people, like the some of the Cirque du Soleil people and stuff like that. Like mm -hmm. you look at some of those older, older, especially the older ones through the 60s and 70s and stuff like that that did like the holding people over their head, three, four people, like the tumbling axe and all the stuff. Like those guys, like, yeah, they, they had pencil legs, but they had yeah. huge upper bodies. You've seen, have you seen, um, there's like an audition tape or, or like a documentary on people auditioning for Cirque du Soleil. You know how fucking hard it is to get in yeah. there? They got people from all over the world, like gold medals in Olympics, trying out and, and not making the cut. And it's like a trial for like weeks auditioning. Well, and then they're like, you don't got one. If you, you don't got If you've ever been to one of your sh one of their shows, you see why. Like in well, I got season tickets, but it's it's it's, fu <laughs> it's fucking amazing. Like when, when you okay. see them what they do, it is fucking amazing. You and your boyfriend enjoy it. Yes. <laughs> I mean, no it is it is pretty crazy what they could do. No doubt. But it is crazy also to think that world champion like gymnast doesn't make the cut. But they're also doing some extra shit. They also have like, so it's a performance. You have to have like stage presence and all the rest of it, right? Like sell what you're doing as opposed to just technically broke. And it's, it's, it's a lot of fearless shit. Like you have to have some balls underneath you to do a lot of what they do. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen, um, you know, this reminds me too, real quick. Uh, so the, the guys like obviously in the Cirque du Soleil and any kind of circus, or whatever guys jumping around, you see what they got now where they got fucking robots that can do that? No. A robot. Okay, listen. 
So I see, they shot a video and posted a robot jumping from like bar to bar. It, you, you, but until they said it was a robot, you're just watching the video. The thing swings from bar to bar and then, and then like does some crazy aerial shit and lands. And you're like, oh shit, that guy's pretty good. And they're like, that was a robot. And it's like, holy shit. Now, first off, one thing, okay, are they going to replace Cirque du Soleil people? Are they going to replace gymnasts? No. You fucking picture if the government got a hold of that thing. That fucking thing gets, if they drop that thing in Putin's compound, <laughs> shit, like, you know what I mean? You got a ninja killer. That's the first thing I thought was, holy shit, if that thing, if they program that thing to go inside this guy's house and kill him, there's nothing stopping this fucking thing. Could you just, climb up the side of a building, dude, this thing would be like, we're talking about Marvel Comics shit. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is like fucking iRobot with Will Smith or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's fucking scared shit out of you, man. Like, but like, I'm, it's right now, though. When you see the video, it is, that's happening right now. They, the government has these. And they're like, oh, look it. We made a, a electrical gymnast. No, you fucking didn't. You made a goddamn killer. We're not stupid, man. This thing will have, like, guns attached to it and shit. Like, this thing started firing shots. Nobody's stopping this thing, man. It was crazy. When do you see the video? But, uh, but anyways, yeah, we went from a fucking guy who smells funny with a ponytail to, <laughs> to that fucking robot. What I'm saying is, I think the fucking guy the smelly, smelly funny... <laughs> Funny small ponytail might be a goddamn government robot. And I'm keeping an eye on his ass because I don't trust him. You understand what I'm saying? He's stronger than he should be for a guy who does a lot of mobility. Nothing but mobility. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get close to him and be like, what's your deal, man? Where were you born? Where are you from? What high school do you go to? And he slips up a little like, I fucking knew it. When were you created? What batch are you? What lot? What's your lot number, you fuck? I'm on to you. But, uh, okay, let's take a look here. We got today... By the way, ladies, and, but how has your training been, sir? Sporadic at best? Sporadic at best. For everybody listening, Paul Marinzan, the Marinara Man, um, that's my Italian name for him, he's, he's, he's calling me up for the deadlift, sir. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> he's calling you up for the, that's our other, co we got to battle the co-host for the deadlift, sir. That little, that little uppity 74 kilo motherfucker, huh? Yeah. Because you, you, he's been killing it, and you have probably haven't deadlifted in two years now. Yeah, I've, I've had a Bet shit, I've had a shit year for training. He called me out, so I, I you've did, turned into a bench only guy. I basically took the high road and just called to get him piss tested. <laughs> That's the high road now. That's the high road. It was easier than going back to training. I just got him piss tested. Yeah, and you perform that yourself, is that right? You have yeah. a in the cup. Oh, I hold it for him. Too. Swish it around in your mouth a little. Fuck. Tastes clean, son. Tastes clean. Tastes like. And he's, he feels violated. You shake hands and leave. So today, ladies and gentlemen, we got Kevin Oak. And uh, for anyone who doesn't know about Kevin Oak, and this guy's got a fucking massive social media following, he's got the 220, that's 100 kilo raw, no wraps world record total. Uh, and that is 2,101 pounds. That, that, I hate when I get totals in pounds. I don't know what the fuck that is in kilo, but... It's freedom weights. It's freedom, freedom weights. That's right. That's right. You're right. I should bless the freedom. 242 kilo class, no wraps, world record squat with 832 pounds. Guy's a fucking piece. That's absolutely insane. High bar too. Yeah, and he's a high bar squatter. And we were talking about that the other day at the gym. How like, well, we'll talk about it with him, but high bar, like you, you just don't recruit as much, right? Like people wrote in articles about it and shit, but like for some people it doesn't matter. They get the most out of it. It's all levers obviously, but... It's if I go high bar, my weights go down. For sure. But it's 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 if that's what he's trained his whole freaking life, that's yeah. what he's trained. Like that's what he's yeah. comfortable with. Yeah. So. 
I noticed you threw the freaking in there. You trying to clean it up a little bit? Uh, you know, I told myself I gotta start swearing less. There's children watching. Yeah, a big, big chunk of our fan base are kids. I would. I I I, I listen to the podcast. I'm like, damn, I swear a lot. I gotta slow down. Yeah, you got a trucker's mouth. I got a fucking trucker's mouth. Um, and he's got. Let's see here. American 220 total with no knee wraps. Or sorry, with knee wraps. Uh, 2,150. You know what? He only got 49 more pounds out of those knee wraps. That's probably why he goes mostly no knee wrap, sir. So let's give this fucking guy a little ring a ding ding and see what's up. Okay, so the man himself, Kevin Oak, world record holder. How you feeling, sir? All right. Yeah. <laughs> you get into you get into some funny business last night, sir. Nah, I have a pretty boring life. I just worked out. Yeah. So I watch his new show on Netflix. Which uh, Snowfall. Snowfall. Which one is that? I don't think it's about I like drug deals in the eighties or something. It's pretty good. Oh no shit! It's actually pretty good. One of the best um, TV series I've seen, especially for like drug dealing ones, The Wire. You seen that? Yeah. Classic, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Of course. For a long, they don't make shows like that anymore. No, man. For a long time, my buddy's like, you got to listen to The Wire. I was crazy late to the starting line when it came to The Wire. If I had, uh, started watching, I'm like, holy. Like, I, I, I started watching like long after it was off the air and everything. And it was uh, dudes like Method Man were in it. And yeah, The Wire was like 15 years ago, probably. It was a long time ago, man. And I I saw it at like uh, like two years ago. Yeah, in the wire when you're watching it too, everyone's wearing like G Unit hoodies and shit. <laughs> it's like when G Unit was huge and like Wu Tang Clan yeah. and shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a blast. The wire is good. Yeah, wire, wire is definitely one of the best out there. Um, but uh, so, how do, do you do you do you drink? Rarely. I don't like purposely not drink. I just don't really drink. Yeah, yeah. Just if if the occasion arises, you have cocktails, but not just for the spirit. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so, <laughs> how old are you? 32. Okay, so probably pretty much in your prime right now. Everybody usually peaks around in their 30s, right? I don't know. <laughs> probably, but... Unless you're David Ricks. I like to think that I have all this untapped power yeah. coming in the future. Well, that's the thing with, like, powerlifting. Um, I mean, some dudes last, and girls last forever, man. You like, Even in... Um, the women's division, like Marissa Inda, she was, what, like 41 by the time she won the Open World Championships. Been powerlifting for years. 41 years old, now she wins it. You know, so, I mean, there's, and then obviously you got David Ricks, who's like 175 years old, and uh, still smashing up the world records. <laughs> so, it is, uh, it's encouraging. Um, I mean, I think the main thing with me would be injuries. As long as I can stay healthy and injury-free, I'll probably keep getting stronger. Yeah, and how is, how are you on the injury front? Um, I haven't had any major injuries. It's mostly like the little minor things I would get, like like SI joint issues, like shit like that. Like minor things I've done. Never like broken anything. I've never had to have surgery, so that's good. Yeah, no. Plus, major plus I see my I see my PT every week, so that helps a lot. And what do you think? How do you attribute staying relatively injury free? Um, I just do a lot of mobility before I work out, after I work out. I'm just very cognizant of like what I'm doing, my movement patterns, and I just I see my PT and he's huge on movement too, so it just helps. That probably helps the most, just seeing him every week, just 
Anytime I get something small, it doesn't get bigger just because I see in my handle it right away. Yeah, yeah. That's probably uh, one of the biggest things that I started doing in the last year is uh, seeing a guy like do, going through mobility stretches and trying to stay on it because I was terrible, man. For like years, just I'll warm up, but I'm not like, I'm not taking it uber seriously. And if you yeah. press, <laughs> press for time, that's like the first thing you cut out. Yeah. How, how, long, like, how long do you do like a mobility before you start? Um... Probably takes for like half an hour to get to the bar. Oh, no shit. You're a patient man. See, I Yeah. Well, it's because I used to be a runner, too. So when you're a runner, you stretch a lot. It's yeah. like once you start doing all those type of stretches, like you never really can stop. Like just kind of have to do it forever. So well, there's still like a lot of stretches I do from when I was a runner. Let's let's talk about that a little bit. Because uh, you, picturing you now, you would be absolutely fucking monster runner. <laughs> It'd be like the 10, 10 meter race. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I was what, way smaller when I was running. What were you? What was the distances you were running? Um, I was mostly 100, 200. I jumped a little too in high school, but in college I just did sprints. And that's what I was telling you, Brandy. I was like, man, this, if he tells me, yeah, I was a fucking marathon runner, I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> get out of here. Right. <laughs> but sprinters are pretty jacked up at times. Not like powerlifting jacked up, but sprinters are pretty jacked up, dudes. Like you, you, like Johan Blake is pretty jacked. Yeah, he's pretty jacked. They're yeah. pretty put together. How, how, so how old were you when you were doing running? Um, I started running competitively like middle school, seventh grade. Yeah. Probably, and then I started running, like the summer of eighth grade, I started like actually going to like more national meets, and running against like the fastest kids in the country, that type of thing, and then obviously throughout high school, was very competitive, then I went to Villanova, and that was it. And how, when you say competitive, like how, how competitive were you in your racing? Um, I was pretty good, I was probably better in high school, because at the end of high school I started getting injuries, I kind of just kept going back and forth like hamstring problems but yeah. high school I was like a state champ in 100 I was all American in the 100 and 200 meter dashes I got like fourth at nationals in the 100 and the 200 my junior year I won Easter States indoor for the 200 my junior year um I think that's pretty much it was there a lot that's of pretty, that was pretty competitive was <laughs> yeah that, yeah was there a lot of strength training is that where you get introduced to powerlifting Nah, I um, my um, my coach, who was actually like the distance coach for us, but he lifted weights a lot. So he started getting me lifting before my junior year in high school, which I didn't really, I was like indifferent to it at the time. But I was doing it in the off season because there was like three seasons in high school. First season, I would never do anything, and I would do indoor track and then outdoor track. So. That first season, he was like, well, at least, like, you know, start lifting weights or something. So I was like, all right, like, I lift weights, whatever. And um, I was indifferent. I didn't really care. But once I started running again, I had gotten a lot more endurance and a lot faster. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit, like, I think I like lifting weights. <laughs> do, do, so do you find, like, the weightlifting would help in terms of other sports, like running and some of these track sports in terms of, like, explosiveness? Or do you think there's other ways of doing it? Yeah, absolutely. It definitely helps. It, I got a lot faster when I started lifting weights. Like, a lot. I actually got more endurance, it felt like, funny enough. Like, my top speed didn't get that much faster, but I remember my 200 time came down substantially once I started lifting weights. And that's totally against what some people believe, right? They think weightlifting makes you more bound up, 
makes you like it'll slow you down and, and you don't get anything from it. And uh, I'm not really because if you think of any if you think of any actual relative situation, it's like if you're a kid, you start lifting weights, you're gonna put on like a couple of pounds. You're not gonna like add like forty pounds or something yeah. and just like be a totally different person. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's kind of stupid to think like, oh, like I'm just gonna. If he lifts weights, he's gonna be like forty pounds heavier and like what can you know like yeah. you're gonna be pretty much the same, but you're gonna be a little stronger. That's it. And, and some people think like um, I don't want to lift because I don't want to get too bulky. Like if they do three days a week, they're gonna turn into fucking Ronnie Coleman. It's like I don't want to drop my like you, I wish it were that easy. <laughs> I that's exactly what I tell them, right? It's like I, that's like saying I don't want to drive my car because I don't want to turn into Mario Andretti. It's not gonna happen. You you can't make it. It's not that easy. It's like almost insulting yeah. where it's like. Who do you think you are that you lift exactly. that little and you're gonna balloon up that big like you're gonna be like the genetic freak like Ronnie Coleman or something? And yeah, like you see that more on the women's side, I guess. Yeah. Not so much anymore, but that was like the common like women's kind of attitude. Like, oh no, no weights. Like, just yoga. I want to get huge and blah blah. And um, even even like training some athletes. So for a while there, I was training some hockey players with weightlifting, and sometimes they think like uh, they're saying like, oh, it's such a Hockey is such more a skilled technical sport, they don't think you'd like offer an advantage. But I'm like, man, your body's ability to generate force is always an advantage. Like whether it's yeah. track and you gotta propel yourself down the track or propel yourself down the ice or whatever it is, like it, being stronger and your body's ability to generate force can only be an advantage in almost any sport. Absolutely, in hockey you're actually, it's, I mean, it's a physical sport. Like, yeah. you definitely want to be stronger. It's, it's that's, cool. what, that's what I was about to say. I think I'd want to be pretty solid when I'm getting hit into the boards. Like, well, I, don't, yeah. I don't want to be the jelly guy getting hit. Yeah, well, if you look at hockey, too, it's funny. There is, like, dudes are getting bigger and bigger. you got monsters on the ice now. But uh, it's like an old-school way of thinking, man. As well as um, some guys have the old-school mentality. Like, they, they train them, like, skate them until they puke. And if you lose a game, you guys are skating until you puke. That's full on the RPEs right out the window, so to speak, right? <laughs> There's no, there is no like rhyme or reason. It's like why, just to punish or just to like be mentally tough. But you're frying that nervous system. Some some sports, I swear, like so like behind the times when it comes to training. Like you don't get better if you do yeah, red that's, line. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, like when you do training, um, and this might be some of the reason why you you stay fairly injury free. Do you do an RPE system, and how often do you redline it when you're doing your training? Um, I use an RPE light system. I mean, for me, I react pretty well to AMRAPs, but I tend to just stop a rep short. I usually leave, like, a rep or two in the tank. Yeah, yeah. And, Which and, kind of, I know, like, that point where if I start, if the set starts turning into a grind and technique starts getting off, it's better for me to just stop and then to get those last reps or two. Because yeah. those last reps or two will probably make it really hard for me to recover for one, which is going to like mess up my workouts next week, and I'm just not going to get anything out of it. So, and it's more chance on the injury list too, right? You've been able to stay this long without getting severely injured. What about yeah. uh, what about hitting those big singles up? Do you are you like you could do a double, but you only do a single, or do you do? Because here's a funny thing with like um, RPE. So when it comes to singles. 100% there's a point where you couldn't hit another, but you do have more weight that you could have put on the bar. You wouldn't have been able to double it, but you didn't put, but you probably had 30 pounds, you could have put more on the bar, right? There's a, there's a difference right there. So how do you approach your singles? I don't really do singles much anymore. It's rare. Like I did a single on 
bench the other week, like solely because I wanted to move a little more weight just so my body felt it. But I rarely do singles anymore. Honestly, I won't. I don't intend to do any more singles this prep. Like maybe on bench press because it's a little different. Yeah. But on squats and deads, just in meat prep, it doesn't really, it doesn't really do anything for me. Like I'm much better off hitting like a double or a triple. If I hit like an all-out single in prep, it's probably gonna burn me out significantly. What What is your next competition? Um, I'm doing the USPA tribute meet end of August. I think like August 26 or 27. And that's a cash meet, is it not? I think it's a pretty big cash. No. It's a cash meet, but we don't know. They did like a GoFundMe. I think there's like 75 grand in the GoFundMe, but I think they're it's gonna get divvied up between like paying for lifters, hotels, that sort of thing. So isn't it? It's like, we don't know like exactly what's gonna end up being put out or whatever. Pioneer's the one to put that up, isn't it? Yeah. 75k though is freaking crazy. Well, the the whole thing, the premise behind it was it's a tribute for the lifters, right? Like it was yeah. it was when they posted that. I remember they started to go fund me, and it was, it was literally at nothing forever. And then all of a sudden, the the, the donations start coming in. And but seventy, like to to bring in seventy five k is like crazy, man. There's a lot of lifters on this. There's a lot of good lifters coming into that meet. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, just, I think Matt himself put up at least like forty grand of it. Matt who? Matt who? Oh, from Pioneer Fit, Manhattan. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Well, that would make sense to get the ball rolling. 40 grand, though. Damn, how good is Pioneer Fit must be doing pretty good business-wise, <laughs> man. I assume so. <laughs> so. That's the thing with, like, the USPA meets. There's, like, so much money being tossed around. And in the, in the IPF, there's, like, nowhere near as much, like... Three bucks. Cake like that. <laughs> yeah, like, it's pretty... It's crazy how much money's on the table there. But, uh... A bit about your training, a couple things that uh, you, you had said and we had noticed as well, um, and maybe we could speak on is, you like, to, you like to squat high bar as opposed to low bar, which is a little, I would say about 85% of lifters or maybe 80% go low bar. Well, why is it that you, you prefer the high probably, bar? Probably more, probably like 95% so? go low no bar. Shit. Yeah, you think so? Okay. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Well, why do you think uh, it is for you that you like the, the high bar? Um, from what I always did high bar, I didn't know it was high bar, but I always did high bar until I was in powerlifting, until even when did, I tried to, I was always high bar, I tried to switch to low bar for about a year, and my shoulder mobility just couldn't take it, so it killed my bench, my bench was down like 30, 40 pounds, um, I was a constant pain in my arms and my shoulders, and... I didn't gain much low bar, so like I could squat more high bar anyway. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it just makes. It's very quad dominant, and I don't have a very strong posterior chain, so high bar works. And, and how tall are you? Uh, five eleven. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you and how, how much do you weigh when you walk around weight before you cut? Right now, uh, I woke up two fifty two this morning. Okay, so because you lift in two forty two, that's uh, well, you also lift in two twenty, but. So you don't cut very much weight then? For 242s, no. It varies. This meet I'm not going to on purpose. Um, in April when I broke the squat world record, I only cut like eight pounds or something, so that was good. Yeah. But I've cut, I've had some pretty substantial cuts. I've cut like 248 to 220 before. And how was that? 
because we've heard some horror stories. Here's the thing where some people say like a day before a weigh-in is good because like you've got plenty of time to rehydrate, but it's so tempting. And sometimes people do some crazy cuts because I mean you could almost, you could, the thing with hydration as long as nothing, the wheels don't fall off, you could turn it that boat around real quick and be smashing world records, right? But so, yeah. so how crazy was this cut? What did you do to make this cut happen? Um, and the funny thing is, I actually think we should all have two hour waves. I think it's kind of stupid that we have 24. Is that right? But I'm competitive, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is what it <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. But um, that cut, that was for LA Fit Expo two years ago? Yeah, two years ago. That was when I, I, um, I broke the 220 world record total with knee wraps the first time. And I cut from like 248 to 220. Usually. I think that was like a five, I forget, but, but I'll water load for like three days. Um, what do I do? I cut water, I forget now. I end up not eating or drinking for about like 40 hours. Oh, whoa. And I remember I was down to like usually around like, when's like 9 a.m.? So like around 12 noon the day before i gotta start figuring out like where my weight is like i usually take like magnesium citrate the day before when i cut water to yeah. just clear my system out so yeah the day before you can actually figure out where you are after losing a ton of water from the water load and, pe and like pooping your brains out basically from yeah. magnesium sit but i think i was down to like 232 ish at that point and i was like already like pretty like i got rid of a lot of water then I had to start sweating, and um, the hotel I was in in LA had two saunas in it. One was a dry sauna, one was a wet sauna. And um, the dry sauna just wasn't hot enough, so I was doing the wet sauna. And I guess like through breathing in like all the moisture, I was just getting like really kind of sick. But I got down to um, I forget. I was doing the sessions, going in like 15 minutes, coming out like usually. You, go, you start trying to go in for like 15 minutes, coming out only 10, but as time progresses, you go in for shorter periods and you stay out for longer periods because it's just too tiring. But I think by, um, I think I probably started around like two-ish. I was doing it till like eight or nine. I got down to like 222 maybe or something like that. So you did six and hours I, of sauna on and off, but you were like in there just grinding for like six hours trying to get that done? Yeah, That's I was just trying to get down as I had to. So like, yeah. you just sit there and you, and you deal with it. Usually I have like a speaker in there with me or something, but you just do it. But I think I got down to like 222. I wanted to get down all the way to 220, but I started feeling like delirious. Like I was going to like faint and all this stuff. So I was like, oh shit, like I got to go upstairs. So I went to my bed and I was just kind of like laying there. And I felt like I was kind of like in and out. Like I was like, oh fuck. And like my boy wasn't there yet who was going to come help me. Because he was, where was he? I forget. But yeah, I was waiting for him to come. He wasn't flying in until nighttime. So he got there like two hours after I had gotten like in bed. And I was just like real floaty feeling like really out of it. But um, I forget how I lost the rest of the weight. I don't know if I saw it again in the morning. I'm assuming I did. I really don't remember, but yeah. I made weight. So. And, and, 
And, uh, and how did it go like afterwards? Was that the time when you broke the world record? Yeah, that was the first time I broke a world record. So, you, um, so in 24 hours, you can rehydrate and feel like, like obviously PR historically strong, which is crazy to wrap your head around how quickly the body can bounce back. Yeah, well, I mean, what it is is if you you have to do like IV bags. I probably did like I'm assuming I did like six IV bags or something, yeah. and then that's probably good. Once you start getting IV bags in you after a couple of hours, you like you come back to life. Yeah, but at that usually point- usually as long as you get the weight back on, even if you feel like shit, like it's almost as it's like the muscle's still there and yeah. it's working, so like you can still do what you have to do. And there's no, like, impact on the nervous system. How much easier is it to cut when someone else is there, though? Like, when you're, I've cut before, actually with Randy, um, I got up in the morning and I was like 10 pounds, this is two-hour weigh-ins, and that's 10 pounds overweight. I was like, oh, shit, I got to sweat out, like, 10 pounds, like, right fucking now. And uh, Randy, we, they didn't have a sauna in the hotel room, so Randy got, like, all the covers, and he got these heating pads, and we, like, created a little... We created like a little miniature sauna inside the hotel room. I was going from the bath to un- in, in this little miniature sauna we created. Sweat oh, like 10 pounds and you were like out muscle cramping the whole nine. Go way in and it'd be like, like we got at my body weight too. 10 pounds is, I mean, it's not small. That's for sure. Real quick in the morning. And then, um, you know, hydrate as much as you can. But even with two hour weigh-ins, 10 pounds, it was all right. It wasn't like a... I wouldn't want to do it quite like that again, but it was doable. Like, do you prefer to do it the night before and then sleep dehydrated? Or would you prefer to get it all done real quick right before the weigh-in? Um, I would prefer to do it the night before. I used to be able to do it morning of, but um, it, would, it would just be too risky. If the weights aren't coming off quick enough, I would, I would miss weight. So it's just way too risky. I'd rather, usually when I get into a flow, I can kind of time where I'll be at by like 9, 10 o'clock. So I just try to get to the weight by like 9, 10-ish and just try to go to sleep. And that's exactly it. That's kind of what I would recommend most people too is at the very least, get within a striking distance. and do yeah, get within like two pounds. Yeah. And then you know, okay, whatever, the next day you could, you could sweat it out. But don't, yeah. it's risky as hell to be like right up to the wire, be like, I'm going to lose all the weight like a few hours out. Because you don't know. Yeah, how no, it's way too risky. There's intangibles. Like your body changes too, especially for someone who hasn't done much weight cutting. You know, like a, a case in point, um, when Isabella von Weiserberg hadn't, hadn't done any cutting, it was just going to cut when she got there. It's like, man, that's, you don't know how your body responds though. Um, you know, she I, missed, right? She I remember missed. she was like crazy lean, and I was like, "How was this going to make weight?" Yeah, I remember. I remember her posting crazy. Like she was, she was going for sixty three. She was a seventy two lifter. She she posted like sixty nine kilos today, and and I was like, "She's fucking show ready." Like you know, where, where, where the fuck is like, where, where, That's what I'm saying. I'm like, you see veins popping out of veins, and you're like, "Where's the other six fucking kilos coming from?" And like when she missed weight, she barely missed. Like she almost hit. And then um, I think someone someone's trying to cheer her up, so she laughed, and all of a sudden, bam, her ab cramped up, and she took a picture, and it looked like the fucking thing was coming off her body, like it was, it was just an ab cramp, but her and it was it was great, it was all it's on her Instagram, we should probably repost, but it was probably way too much for a two hour weigh in, 
Like, it was just too much. And for her to do, that was her first time, I bet she... Like, but not only that, but I mean, like, I've seen people do cuts, and I mean, they look good when they do cuts or whatever, but her her lean was, like I said, that, that was fucking show-ready, like, physique. Yeah. Like, that was ridiculous. The, the most surprising thing for me was she was still hitting PRs in the gym, which is like... Holy yeah, that was pretty... I mean, yeah. I remember seeing that, so I was like, what the hell is... This girl's like an alien or something. Yeah. <laughs> to be hitting PRs, which she must have felt terrible. Like, well, credit to her. I'll say this. I mean, you if you watch her training over the years, she's fucking intense on a different. I, was, I mean, I seen her chip yeah. her tooth just squatting. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah she's fired up. <laughs> so, do you would, do you get fired up when you do in the gym, or do you try to like? Because sometimes leading into a meet. Um, if I get too fired up too early, by the time I get to the meet, I start losing that adrenaline. It's hard to to bring it back and keep getting fired up. Like every training day, do you kind of like keep it for every now and then, or are you like an Ellis McLean where you walk in there and try not to get too fired up at all? Um, visually, I used to get a lot more fired up. I feel like now you don't, you wouldn't really see it, but like I still have it. You know, it's like hard to explain, but yeah, I have it when I need to, and I'm pretty fired up for most of my workouts, especially since I tend to do AM reps, just increasing weight each week. So it's like. You're always trying to kind of hit a PR, so like you're always engaged, but I don't know if you visually would see it. I've, yeah. been, I've been watching yours for quite a while. I don't notice it so much on the on the squat or on the bench and deads, but I notice you usually you can see it when he when he's about to squat that he's there's something there. Like he's he's starting to build up in the brain on what's about to happen. It's, <laughs> it's uh it's it, well I think squats because the bar is on top of your back. It feels a whole another level of. Like you got it almost, right? Like it's 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 a little different when you have that much weight on your back pushing down and you unrack and you feel it. You you, you gotta go from zero to hundred pretty quick. And I it's hard for me to like I talk to L like I bring Ellis McLean. He's like smiling before he does like lifts and squats and bench and whatever, and it's like how the fudge do you not get fired up a little bit and still be able to move weight like that? Like it's yeah, like me, I get I get fired up, but then I have to get really focused. You know what I mean? Like at meets, I get fired up in the back, but then I have to like really calm myself and just focus on actually doing the lift correctly, more so than being hyped. Like once I know my blood is moving and everything and like my muscles are awake and I'm ready to go, like then I actually try to like calm down and get my breathing like somewhat normal. <coughs> hey, so for this tribute, are they doing it like uh like uh, Kern US, like are they doing it for that for the money or is it per weight class or what? I don't know. They haven't said how they're like divvying it, so I really just don't even know. Ooh. I don't really even like, I don't know, it's hard, it's like hard to think about the money ahead of time. Like you kind of, it's better just think about trying to win, you know? Like, yeah, who's, who's signed up in there right now for the 242s that you're looking to go against? I really, I haven't been paying enough attention, but I, I feel bad. I don't know. I know, um, I know Ben Pollock is doing, um, I think he's doing 181 and like wrapped. That's really all I know who's going. Other than that, I don't know. Yeah, but it'll probably be by Wilkes anyways though, right? I'm assuming. The payout? I'm assuming it'll be Wilkes. It'll probably be like heavyweight, lightweight or something. Yeah. Well, like, um, that's usually what they do, so. Especially <laughs> UFBI. Do you scout guys and pay attention to guys on social media that are roughly around in your weight class? Yeah, but most of the guys are going knee. The thing is, I like doing knee sleeves, and everyone these days pretty much does like knee wraps. It kind of like goes back and forth. Like a couple years ago, people were mostly doing knee sleeves. 
Like now everybody's doing D rap. So most of the guys in raps are doing boss of bosses. But since I was doing sleeves, it didn't really make a difference. So Yeah. And do you just not get as much out of your raps? Yeah, especially for some reason. I used to get probably like 70 pounds, right? But when I switched back from low bar, it's just been really weird. Like the way I squat now, knee reps just don't work well with it at all. So I don't get, I don't get a lot. Like I don't get a lot, and it's annoying on top of it. Rapping, yeah. Try to have like the same rap consistently, or having someone rap, like you know, like it's just a headache. What these sleeves, like I just throw them on in the beginning, and I'm good. It makes a little sense where, because uh, obviously the knee drift when your low bar is greater, your knees go, or oh, actually, wait a second, no, it's, oh, high bar. it's, yeah, high bar is greater. So then I would have thought maybe a, a greater knee drift, greater knee bend, you get more out of it. But the potential, what I, what you notice, like you watch the opens when when they're competing on this, and a lot of it, what I see is is injury. Like a, it, the, the wraps, the wraps, yeah, the yeah. wraps is, the potential of injury seems to be so much higher than, than sleeves. Well, the problem is when you're walking out in wraps, it's just, not and I know in IPF they do single pile wraps and they walk it out, but the people at the open we're talking about guys who are squatting a lot, and it starts it starts going more into like if you're like a two twenty and you're squatting like eight fifty or something and you're trying to walk it out in wraps and the platform's like kind of shaky like it's just a disaster. Yeah, like you really should just use a monolift. Honestly, like sleeves it doesn't really make a difference. So. It's whatever, but a knee wraps because you can't bend your knee and you're trying to walk and it's just extremely shaky and it's like, yeah, it's just I've, seen, I've seen a lot of people say the walkout's the hardest part. It's like trying to get that weight out and walk it out is harder than the actual damn lift. It's also like so tight around your quads, hammies, and like tugging on it so tight. And then, uh, so then when you walk out and, and try to break the, you know, the tension and bend the knee, it's... It's tight. The well, tension you, like that on the legs. When, when you're watching the when you watch like the U.S. Open, you're seeing people on there and they're and they're getting wrapped. The the person who's wrapping looks like they're having a, it's an RP12 for them. Like they're fucking yeah. just yeah, veins popping, struggling and sweating trying yeah. to get a tight. I was like Jesus. It's probably because in terms of when we're talking about the popularity of wraps and sleeves. It's probably the U.S. Open that because they have wraps and that's where the money is that makes everybody like shit. I better learn how to do wraps. And now all of a sudden, yeah, a lot of people who normally do sleeves learned wraps just for that meet. So that's kind of what shifted most people doing wraps because now they're like, oh, I'll just stay in wraps. Yeah, yeah, that's what like Cece was saying when she was on here. Um, soon she seen that and it was wraps. She's like, I better start learning wraps. Cause that's yeah. 40k that's 40k right there because i was training i i went for the squat world record in sleeves like five weeks before and then i was like fuck it look i'm signed up for the u.s open like i'll try like get some d-rap sessions in and it was a disaster it was a complete disaster <laughs> and uh, also something i noticed you deadlift often sumo but compete conventional yeah because conventional is really natural for me I don't really need to train it that much, but if I train sumo, it trains a lot of my weaknesses. Like I just have tight hips, so if I'm doing sumo, it forces me to work on my hip mobility, and it kind of strengthens my hips and hamstrings, and it just, sumo attacks a lot of my weaknesses, so it's good for me to train it more. Whereas conventional, I can usually just do it. So, it doesn't take much training. And what kind, when you do your training, do you do like a, cause you do, you're saying not a lot of singles, but is volume heavy in your, in your programs? Cause some people I notice, 
um, do massive sets and wraps, etc. We see Larry Wheels crushing some big sets. And then some people, like a Ben Pollock, he said he never really shifts too far beyond, like, especially when peaking beyond five rep sets. Like he keeps it tight. So for him, he would say, look it, if I want to get um, a bunch of reps in, I'll do a shitload of sets of five as opposed to three sets of ten. You know, do, do you float around with your different rep ranges and sets? Um, for me, what works best, especially in me prep, is just working up to like one AM rep and then just doing a ton of accessory work. That's just always worked better for me. That's just what I react better to. I've never been like a volume guy. Like even in track, it's like I had to kind of just do, you know, like do my sprints and I was never like, I was never an endurance guy. So that's what works best for me. I just work up to like one AM rep and then just do accessory work. And, and, and how many reps would you be looking for that when you say AMRAP because you could like load the bar so you're pacing yourself for 15 or do you load the bar so you're pacing yourself for like six? Me, it's really more than seven or eight. Um, what's the most, the most I've done on squats so far has been like seven. I hit 700 for seven the other week. Deadlifts, I forgot, probably like around seven. Like I'm going to start around like seven-ish and closer to comp end up around a double. So that's what, so is that the way you are through, because I've never heard anybody say that, so you just work up the one AMRAP set, work your way up, and then you move on to some accessories? Yeah, me prep, it's one AMRAP, give it a good effort, <laughs> like I, get yeah. my, I can get my training stimulus from that, how, how and then I'll just break everything down in accessory work, like if I'm trying to do, pos like if I'm trying to work my posterior chain, yeah. it's like I'm going to do one AMRAP on deadlifts, but I'm going to go do like, you know, some inverse curls, like we have a new good morning machine at my gym, so like I do that a lot. Like I'd rather break down each muscle and just do it separately. Yeah. And then put a lot of volume into like the compound movement. How many days a week do you look at, a, at your training? I've been trying to like keep it to three, because I know recovery-wise that works the best for me, but a lot of times I still sneak in like a fourth, but right now, especially because I'm like five weeks out, like I'm really trying to keep it to three days. You are a genetic freak. If you go in there three days a week, work up the one end wrap, like that's fine. that's nuts, man. Is there do other guys like do you do your training partners train like that as well? I we 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 did well we did an interview, the only other person that I heard that did that was Pete Rubbish. Is that what he does as yeah, well? Yeah, Pete Rubbish was the other one that said he did three days a week. Yeah, no no. But he also did like four hour days and like, he wasn't just Yeah, working. he had long ass days, but I'm just saying, I remember yeah. him saying he only yeah. did three days a week because he liked the every other day recovery. Kevin's working up to one AM rap. Yeah. And then moving, that's like, are there other guys that train like that, that you, that you train with? Yeah, a lot of guys do that. Honestly, that's not, it's not uncommon. When me and, like, when me and Larry used to be around each other a lot, he, very similar. One AMRAP, accessory work after. No shit. How, how it's, long just, it's just I do a ton of accessory work after, though. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, how, how long is your gym session? Like, two, three hours. Okay, so that's, that, that is a ton of accessory work then for sure. And how long does it take you to work up? I mean, that's including, that's including warming up and doing like, and rolling out a lot afterwards. And, and uh, you said when you were training with Larry, so are you guys not training together right now? Did you move away or? Well, I'm not the same gym, but he moved to Jersey, so he's training in Jersey a lot more. Ah, uh, gotcha. And was it, what was it like with you and Larry training, two like of the strongest powerlifters of all time in the same room? 
Uh, it was always fun. I don't know. I feel like I gained a lot. Things we <clears throat> things we have very different strengths and weaknesses. So it's probably good from that point. Like I'm probably like I'm probably a better squatter, so I'm sure that pushed him to want to like squat more. And then he's a better bencher and deadlifter, so it's like I know anytime I know most of the times we trained around each other, like my bench would always go up because it's just like fuck, like that dude's bent to six hundred, like <laughs> yeah, get my shit together. <laughs> yeah. So who do you train with now? Do you got a crew that you train with? I train mostly with with Nick Tiger Strength, just because we train like during the day mostly, so we can usually train at the same time. Then my boy Jeff, but it depends on his schedule. I tend to train when he's at work, so we only go whenever he can. Do you have a coach? I was just about to ask that. No, I coach myself. Yeah, because I guess it would make sense if you're um, if you if your game plan is pretty much hit up one big in rep and then drop it down. Like you, so when you approach it, do you kind of have like ideas where you want to end off with? Um, like systematically speaking, leading into a meet, do you have it week by week an idea, or is it just day by day you walk in there, whatever the AMRAP brings, you know, I'm going to put on this weight on the bar, whatever reps I get with it is fine, or do you kind of break it down where, hey, look, it, early on I want to try to get 10 reps, and then by the time I'm peaked, I want to try to get three to two reps? Yeah, I mean, I pretty much know, I know what my goals are, so then I know based off of like a one rep calculator where my rep sets need to be. So I have my goals based on that, basically, but, and usually I'm in line, but if I miss it, I miss it. You know what I mean? Like, if I have a bad day, I have a bad day. Yeah. I don't really get bent out of shape, but, so like I, I pretty much know, like, what I'm trying to hit at what number. And um, how do you deal with, in terms of, like, you're just saying not getting bent out of shape, especially with the, in, in like the USPA, et cetera, with all this money around and the attention around like the US Open, how do you deal with stuff like that walking into it mentally? When they're so like, I mean, 40K US can completely change your financial year. I mean, whatever you make for 40K on top of it, it's huge. So walking into stuff like that, like how do you deal with that kind of mentally? I mean, the thing is with money needs, <clears throat> excuse me, with money meets, it's like you can't really think about the money. Like, you gotta just think about your plan. Cause it's not like, because powerlifting isn't like a, isn't, um, what's the word? You're not really going head to head with someone. Yeah. It's not like if you were in an MMA fight and you're like, if I beat this guy up, I get the money. Yeah. It's kind of different, but like, you don't have any control of what other people are gonna hit. So it's like, you really gotta just worry about your own game plan try to put the numbers up that you wanted, and then whatever the results are, they are. Because you don't know what other people are going to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it's a sport where you can control the other guy's results, it's a little different, but, you know, some guy might come in and total 2,400, like, what are you going to (laughs) do? Yeah, it's like, well, that was that. Congratulations, sir. Yeah, hats off to you. It's true. Uh, Powerlifting is unique in that it's individual versus individual, but... You have your time on the platform, then you walk off. The next guy comes up. He has his time on the platform, and he walks off. The next guy comes up. You cannot really impact what they're about to do on the on the platform themselves. Whereas, like you were saying, basketball, you're defending a dude, you could be all over him, take him out of his game. MMA, boxing, you could literally be pushing him, doing things, and take him out of his game. Powerlifting, what are you going to do? You can't take him out of like, you All you got in control is yourself. You can't really take someone out of the game. I don't think, listen, I, 
I can't think off the top of my head a time where somebody took someone out of the game, except doing the IPF World Championships as a commentator, you do see some guys put in attempts and then change attempt selection at the last minute, and they're doing things to like make other guys, they see their attempt selection, and they're doing shit like trying to keep pace, and they end up changing their deadlift anyways, and you're like, fudge, I thought I had to have a subtotal of this by the time we get to deads, or else I'm not in the game, so there's a little bit of strategy for sure, but nowhere near yeah, as much. I've seen Yuri do that, but it really actually does anything, though, you know what I mean? It really actually like changes someone's total. In powerlifting, usually the strongest person wins. Yeah. Honestly, usually the strongest person comes in and they just hit their numbers, and then everyone else usually just fucks their numbers up, <laughs> trying, to, trying to get some edge to like beat the guy that's number one. Yeah. But usually the number one guy wins. So the strongest guy with the best game plan. You come in and do what you do and what you train to do, you're gonna win. Yeah. The, the hardest I mean, the best, the best game plan is being the strongest guy. Yeah. Like, if you're the strongest guy, you just hate your numbers. Yeah. I, I rarely see the strongest person lose. The, the, the hardest part would be probably, like, for instance, the, and I know you're saying you, you watch the IPF championships and stuff, is when it's like the 105s and you got four dudes who are so close, and he, it's, it's not even totally sure who the strongest guy is. And in that case, yeah, it's that, like, is, that is different. Then it can get fun. Yeah, because then you're like, well, I mean, a kilo could be the straw that breaks the camel's back. So you're like, do I go up? Like, what do I go up by? Especially if it's a world record and you have a chip. It's like, do you go up by two and a half kilo? Do you, it's, it's nerve wracking. You got a minute to decide. And if you went up just two and a half kilo too much and you miss because you got greedy, door swings wide open. So the guy's been on your back the whole day. Now he's up by one attempt. And that's when things get dicey. But uh, it's a whole nother deal though. All that kind of strategy kind of goes out the window when it comes to the U.S. Open because it's Wilkes, so it's by weight class to weight class. I think I'm losing you. Yeah, are you? We got you. Good and clear. Hello? Yep. You got us. We got you. <laughs> we got you anyways. We can hear you if you can hear us. And we can see you. Hopefully he doesn't, oh shit, we just lost. Sorry, just had to visit the little boy's room. Yeah, uh, actually I want to ask you about the, um, the nosebleeds and everything which are amazing for Instagram. Is that just like, is it intensity or is it like uh, the compression, just like all the weight on your back and you're so tight and compressed? No, I just get nosebleeds when it's really humid. No shit. <laughs> On like a really heavy squat or deadlift, my nose will just like pop. That's funny. Now that I see that, I'm gonna say that when everyone's you get the 500 comments. Oh, that's so intense! I'm gonna put so it's hot there today, eh? Well, I like it because <laughs> when we're reposting on King of Lists, I'm like, oh, what a fight! The fucking blood started flowing and the whole night. I can run with it, but it happens to like I mean, uh, Andy Huang and like it's like, like the bigger. Yeah, fans. same same thing with him. Yeah, I think you maybe. But it, I feel like it's the big fellas too who usually get it. But there's got to be something to do with, like, you guys are so much weight on your flipping backs, man. So, like, the compression's got to be there. So, if there's any kind of thing going on with your nose with the humidity, and yeah, it's going to flow. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of... Yeah, like, it definitely happens at the most... It'll happen right at the bottom of the squat where it's, like, the most pressure. So, yeah. it's definitely like a blood pressure thing, too. But yeah, yeah. I only get it when it's, like, humid, though. Like, the last week or two, I've been fine. I've been training much heavier. So, do you, you know what I mean? It's just, when it's humid, my nose just pops. 
Do you find, are you, do you plan like to, talking about how big uh, you guys are? Do you want to stay that big for like 250 range? Because that's a pretty big guy. Uh, are you, or when you're done powerlifting, are you going to shed the weight? Is it hard well, to maintain? Well, powerlifting, I would definitely want to be lighter. I'm yeah. sure. There's just no reason. Not that I'm even that. I mean, I'm heavy, but I'm not like, I don't think I'm massive on my frame or anything, but no, nah, I definitely, I don't know. I'm sure after I stop lifting, I'll be like, 220 or something which is still a big dude is it hard to be this big like how much do you have to eat to be this big because you are you probably don't think you're that big hanging around guys like larry wales and shit like that but you're fucking <laughs> huge man if like if i saw you walking down the street with your shirt off I'd be like, everybody's gonna be like, holy shit who's that dude like you obviously do something if you're on the beach dudes are looking at you like this guy's something he's a pro yeah. something Actually, I went to a regular gym the other day and people were like going crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, for sure, man. You walk around in a new town, they'll be like, what's this guy all about? Does it? Do you have to eat a lot to maintain your size? Not this week, because this isn't that heavy for me. I'm like 250-ish right now, but I've been like 265. To get to 265, I gotta like eat my face off. Really? 250 is like not, not too hard. Like, I actually have a couple solid meals a day. Like, how many calories do you think you consume to be 250? Um, to maintain it? Yeah. I don't know, not a lot. Probably, like, I really don't know because I don't count calories. Well, I'm going to guess, like, 3,000 or something. That's not that. I knew it was going to be around there, which is crazy. Um, cause I, I mean, probably, probably more than 3,000 because when I go to Cheesecake Factory, that's, like, sometimes that's 3,000 alone. So, <laughs> so I can't, yeah, so that's a little... Probably more, it depends, but... Yeah. When I'm bulking, though, like, I've gone... I'm going to guess I'm probably up near, like, six, 7,000 when I'm actually, like... When I'm actually trying to gain weight. Yeah. And is it uncomfortable bulking? Because some people are saying, like, look, like, cutting's not fun. Dieting's not fun. But guys like Eddie Hall, if, I don't know if you've seen that on um, the well, documentary. They talk about eating, eating one day is, is something. Trying to do that every freaking day, like, day after day. That's the hard part of bulking. Yeah. I can usually only bulk for like three, four weeks before yeah. it's just too much. Because people it's, just too, it's too tiring. It's easy yeah. to go out and eat a couple big meals in one day because you're hungry. And yeah. then the next day you wake up and you're like, fuck, I'm not eating until Thursday. And then, yeah. But you're like, no, i got to do this again and again yeah. and again. Well, some dudes got to eat until literally they feel sick. And then they got to eat some more. Just to be like, those guys are obviously like 430 pounds. Yeah, like for me, when I'm bulking, I just eat all day. Mm -hmm. I don't really eat like a ton at once and then do something. Like I just keep eating all day. Just snack, like whatever. I just keep feeding my face. And financially speaking, that's a hit on the wallet. Just to try to be that big. You're like, I can't afford to be up a weight class at this point. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I don't know. I'm sure it costs a lot more to go out drinking every night. Right, <laughs> this know? is true. Amen to that. This is true. Especially like... I feel like the food that you need to bulk on isn't the expensive shit. Like, if you're bulking on, like, pasta, that's cheap as hell. You know, for $2, yeah, like, yeah, like it's not a big deal. Pasta and rice, pretty cheap. Yeah. Meat's more expensive. Meat's the hard part. Yeah, the proteins is definitely, if you got to get that in. Um, is there guys that you watch that um, get you motivated? Like, who do you, do you watch, like, Strongman or other powerlifters? And who is it that, that you like to watch? I watch everyone, honestly. I know a lot of people are like, going, oh, no, I don't watch anyone, like all that, but like, I watch everyone. <laughs> I mean, I like powerlifting in general, so. Like at the end of the day, like, I'm still a fan, so I still, I get hyped watching other people hit PRs, and it motivates me to hit PRs, you know, so. Yeah. Do you watch different, like, so do you watch uh, the lower weight classes? 
Probably not too much. <laughs> it's I mean, I watched, I watched Russ Wall. I watched... Yeah. I watched Ben, although he doesn't really seem like he's on a little weight class because he's, like, jacked. You know, like, he doesn't look like a 181 or 198. But, um, like, I watched Jesse Doris. Yeah. Because those... It's, it's, I, I, think, I feel like uh, guys who are big, like yourself, it's hard to put in relation, like, well, that was good, squat or dead, when it's so much less. You know what I mean? When it's like, not for the, the individual, obviously, but um, when you tell yourself, like, shit, man, I could probably unwrap that for, like, 10, it's harder to get into it, you know? And I mean... Yeah, but if you watch the top guys, they're usually pretty strong. For you know sure. what I mean? Like, they're still moving some good weight. It's, I think the biggest thing that our sport needs is, like, rivalries and competitiveness. Like... So even an individual like yourself who might be watching like 74 kilo, Taylor Atwood, whatever in the IPF, um, if, if it's a runaway victory and you're just watching a guy lift weights, you know that's really good for 74 kilo, but relation-wise, and everybody's got to relate it to themselves, they'd be like, shit, man, I mean, it's not, it's not the kind of weight that's going to be getting you on the edge of your seat. However, if you throw that IPF championship or whatever championship on and it's a fucking dogfight, and you got like Russell R. High versus Brett Gibbs. Or you got the Battle of the 105s versus top five dudes. Yeah, I watched that fight, the Russell R. versus Brett Gibbs. Yeah, what'd that you think? Good. Pretty good? What'd you think? Yeah, I felt so. I liked it. That was good. Yeah. If Russell can get his deadlift up, I mean, he's right there. But his dead, uh, like his squat. And his bench. He needs to get his bench up to go but against Brett. Further, but his bench has improved, which is good. Like His squat is like, like world record squat. Um, like he got chipped by Brett, but he's right there. Bench has improved, but then his deadlift went down for some reason. And, um, I mean, it, that's what really kind of failed him. Because if, if his dead was up around, like, 700 range, which he's pulled before in the gym, it would be a whole other... Well, that whole flight, Owen did good in that fight, flight, too. Yeah. So. What was I mean, I have to go figure it out. He's young. He's young as hell. He's a junior. Brett, Brett's been doing this for a while. Like, I don't know if Brett's numbers were, like, a couple of years ago. Is, yeah. is uh, Russ ahead of that, or...? Um, you know, Brett hit 800 kilo total uh, a couple years ago. But the thing is, he, he's, he's had hot cold. So he hit 800 kilo total. And then um, against uh, John Hack, the big showdown, he ended up getting like in the late 700s. Then he hit 816 total. Then in Minks Belarus IPF World Championships, he got like 795. Then he, now we just hit 830. So... Because he's kind of hot cold like that, if Russell came in there 100 and hit like an 800 kilo total, which I think he is capable of doing, that's where it would have been exciting. Like, oh shit. Like he has a chance for sure. But Brett, yeah. Brett that day had the fucking day of his life. Yeah, he went nine for nine. He had a perfect day finally. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. And, uh, but, uh, and obviously the battle of the 105s was like thick. Uh, was there, what other ones did you, oh, the 63 kilo women was phenomenal. With, uh, yeah. Do you watch the women's as well? Usually, I can. I usually like to see Kim. Oh, Kimberly Walford, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but she wasn't in it this year. <laughs> oh, and but, this, yeah, the 72 women wasn't nearly the same without Kim. Or Isabella. Like, Kim, Isabella are gone. Wasn't really the same. But the 6'3 kilo women, holy shit, man. And Jennifer uh, Thompson, at like 44 years old, winning against like the thickest competition you can ask for, was like... Probably the standout for the women, I would say. It's pretty nuts. Like, I can't imagine. It would be cool if I was lifting at that age, but I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to make it. 
there's, there's, the injuries. there's a lot of lifters that are that in that M1s and stuff like that, but what's what's really weird is it seems like the women, it's where they become the strongest. Is There's so many M1 women in there that are dominant. Well, they're dominant in their classes. It's like... Like, like you, had, you had Kimberly is... She's Kimberly's M1 as well. She's yeah. M1 as of this year. Yeah. She was born in 78. And Marissa Ander, like Jennifer, like it's... Oh, yeah, it's crazy how many masters women. And I don't know why that is. Like, what's the scientifically speaking, if your just nervous system gets better and better as you get older? Because you would think for a woman. Well, powerlifting is a lot like bodybuilding. So it's just accumulation. You're just getting more muscle. You're not really going to, it's not like athletic where you're going to lose like speed, really. Like, more muscle, more strength. You just got to stay healthy. Yeah. And that's kind of what uh, I remember, like George Foreman, when he came back boxing, right? And he won the title at, like forty-five years old, and he like retired at like forty-eight. And they asked him in an interview, like, "How can you do this, man?" And he's like, "Listen, when like your reflexes goes, hand-eye coordination goes, speed goes, power sometimes just fucking accumulates. Old man strength just keeps going." And then yeah. what you gotta do is, yeah, so let's. Like we don't need we don't need hand-eye coordination. No, <laughs> like, exactly. Just... Or reflex well, time. Well, Better technique, yeah, stronger, and agility, for sure. How did you end up finding powerlifting from spring? By the way, um, hard to say. It wasn't like a direct transfer. I mean, I stopped running when I was in college, so like twenty-two, and then um, I was just lifting a lot in the gym, kind of more like a bodybuilder. I didn't really know what powerlifting was, to be honest. I probably thought I was gonna do bodybuilding. But I just got lifting heavier and heavier, and people would always kind of, like, bug me or ask me, like, oh, you compete? And I'm like, no, like, I was, like, lifting. Like, I didn't really – it's just I was always competitive. So every week, obviously, I wanted to lift more and more. You know what I mean? So yeah. I got to a point where I was benching, like, 450 or close to 500 in, like, regular gyms, and people just looked at me like, dude, like, you can't just, like – do that for the hell of it, like you got to compete or something. But um, I think how I actually got powerlifting, I think I was like, I was doing conventional deadlifts a lot. And I kept kind of tweaking my back. And I was like, I got to like figure out a better way because I'm going to end up like just breaking my back, right? So I started like YouTubing deadlifts. And I think, um, I think I came across like sumo. So I started like looking up sumo. Which, like, I had no clue what sumo was. Like, I never saw it. So I started looking up sumo videos. And I think, like, a lot of Dan Green videos came up for sumo. And then I started seeing, like, he competes in powerlifting. And, like, I, I just started seeing, like, oh, powerlifting, like, squatting and benching and deadlifting. Like, I was like, oh, like, that's pretty much what I do. Like, I can get into this, right? Like, so, I don't know, at some point, I signed up for a comp. That's funny going on YouTube and just typing in sumo. I picture really big, fat Asian guys and those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just gotta be a mixture of videos you're getting yeah. when you just type in sumo on. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, did you? Did you? How did you start perfecting in terms of like technique and whatnot? Did you? Are you self-trained for technique, or did you find a coach for that? Or, or even like not necessarily coach. I'm self-trained, but it's like we're in the YouTube age, so. I've watched, like, every video of every lifter on YouTube, you know what I mean? So it's like, I just learned that way. Just seeing what people are doing, watching technique videos, watching instructional stuff, I just figured it out. Do you remember whose videos, instructionals, that it was? I, 
I've watched so many videos. Really? <laughs> like, even on a weekly basis still, I watch so many powerlifting videos. So. And that's over like a five-year period. Because that's one of the biggest pushes for our sport. Like ever since um, like powerlifting had a big boom in the last like five years, and the dissemination of information is crazy. How like like everybody is getting better every single year, and the world world records are all falling because as soon as someone figures something out training wise, it goes out and everybody knows about it. As soon as yeah. people start like in terms of technically, there's like back in the day. Um, like if, if you can imagine, all they had was like USA Power, one magazine, I think it was monthly, and then you read like an article, and it's like how into it could you get from an article reading about squatting and shit? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's in terms of like the competitiveness, uh, the internet's been huge for us, and and obviously uh, finding a home in terms of the feeds and stuff, watching it. Do you think that's the one thing the US Open needs is maybe a better feed? What do you think? I didn't see the feed this year because I was there. <laughs> oh, that's true too. You didn't go back and watch it though. The the streaming. No, but I thought it, was, it wasn't good this year. I know last yeah, year right. people were like, It was it was solid. It wasn't like a, the one thing that I would say is like the IPF feed is like the best. Like TV, the IPF yeah. feed is great. Like TV, yeah, yeah. Like like a full on because um, the US Open is so much money. And I know the IPF jumps a big oodle of coin towards that media team. Like they got for real. TV production. Yeah, like the IPF production is. But that would be uh, how sweet would it be if the US Open if they decide, you know what, let's pull like twenty grand aside and put together because it's only two days. Twenty grand aside and put together like a top notch, like you got seven different angles, um, the cameras and like the commentating. I think that would be the last piece I would like to see for the US Open. Just because it's the biggest one, the US Open's huge. Tons of money around. So if you tell somebody, check out the U.S. If you, I'm going to check out a powerlifting meet, which one should it be? And I say the U.S. Open, I want you to watch and be like, that's fucking, that's like, that's TV. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's probably the last little piece I would like to see uh, myself. And they got the money. There's no question about yeah. that. It would be nice. It's only, like, if it was like the IPF production, it would be really good. Yeah. Hey, being someone who's a fan and that's been, like, studying the sport for as long as you have, different people, uh... What would you change in the sport? Um, I never really thought about that. I mean, I would say on the on my side of the sport, like the non-IPF, USAPL side, just all the federations, it's kind of annoying. I wish there was one fed. Mm. Which USPA is getting pretty close to, but it would definitely be better if there was just one federation and there was one set of world records and there was just a very clear-cut measure of, like, judging. I think that would be good. Um, yeah, I would say I would say what you said there on, on that and the non-IPF, there is a lot of feds, and you see people popping world records, and you read it, and I'm like, what, what fucking fed is this? Like, I don't even know what world... What You look it up, and it doesn't even exist. Well, like, the world, <laughs> like the, the world championship, if, unless, like, if it's, unless it's the IPF, the biggest um, competition isn't even the world championship. It would be the U.S. Open. Like, it's not. It's different now. Like, back in the day, the, U, or the WPC was kind of like the big fed. But, um, yeah, the, the landscape has changed, man. And the USPA is, is the American version. But I, I think they belong to the IPL, right? If I'm not mistaken, USPA. No way. Yeah, they're connected. But, um... Well, see, see, that's the thing. Like, people don't even necessarily know. And to be a world champion isn't even like it's way better to be the U.S. Open champion. So it's kind of it's different. It's not quite like people would imagine in terms of 
you know, like where the IPF is, there's national champions, world champions, one real fed. And, you know, there's not like a bunch of different feds, but. Yeah, like I wish it was just more like there was one fed, there was like nationals or whatever, like there's that one main meet and that would be better. But um, other than that, like I think powerlifting's moving in a pretty good direction, honestly, since I've started. I know a lot of people complain about this and that, but uh, I think most of the things people say are just complaining. They're not really. Well, I seen like, you know? <laughs> this year. Yeah. This year at the U.S. Open, everybody was complaining about judging. And one. Yeah, of them... I mean, I think it was annoying. I mean, I bombed. I missed my first squat, so I didn't even get a chance for the judges to like annoy me. But. Um... <laughs> But the judging was just really hard. It was just clear that the judge's goal was to, like, red light people. So it just makes it kind of annoying. Like, no one's going to hit PRs. You know, like, it's just annoying. I don't know. Like, I like good judging. Yeah. But it was clear that their goal was to, like, red light everybody to find any reason possible. You know, like, which just makes it annoying for everyone. That's that's any fed. Like, you for that, what I, for the judging, you just... It's who you get. Well, you know what these, I mean. That day, like it's it's there's I don't know. I still think at some point it's it's kind of like, you know, when they do the insta replay in sports. There's a point where it's, there's got to be something in there that's going to be able to help the lifter. Not a, not just a panel. Like the IPF, has, the IPF has a panel, but I mean the panel isn't sitting on the sides like to actually watch that lift, right? No, they have. Um, so, is there is there a, uh, an appeal jury no. in the U.S. Open? There isn't. Eh? No. That sucks. Because uh, mm-hmm. in, in the IPF, you can, you can appeal, and sometimes they've overruled. The thing, this is what I would say. So in every sport, this, this happens, right? you got a strike zone in baseball, and that, fuck, if that strike zone doesn't change from game to game, depending on the guy. Same with, like, almost every sport, tennis, or you're going to have calls. Kind of the way it is. But tennis actually does have a computer sometimes, and you could, I believe you I can, can see, like, where the ball is. Yeah. So um, powerlifting, I think they, I'm not sure if they do if the uh, jury watches replays in the IPF, but I know that it's there anyways. We do have replays, and I know they, there is a peel jury anyways. But the big thing is, is if you're not sure, if you're like, I'm not sure, it's borderline, usually... You should give it to the lifter. Give it to the lifter. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Not, if I'm not sure, I'm not giving it to you. Some people take that. I think that's the difference between when you were saying good judging, bad judging. I think I'm on page with you that... If you're not sure, give it to the lifter. But some people want to be tough. And they're like, hey, man, you got to convince me. And it's like, well, fuck, that means... Yeah, I'm like, at this meet, it felt like the judge's goal were like, if I can get away with red lighting, you, I'm going to. <laughs> like, like, it felt like they were like, if I can make the case and it won't look ridiculous that I'm giving you a red light, like, I'm giving you a red light. Because there are squats I saw where I'm like, my guy was on stage for it, and I'm just like, that's a red light, like... Um, okay, like, I guess we can't argue. You know, you're just like, I, I, I guess it's a red light. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of big dudes to piss off. Well, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, the you're, judges are going to beat the shit out of you. You got to watch where you park. Be like, I, park. I mean, the thing with the bigger guys, too, in knee wraps, it's like, because you kind of, people kind of have different views of squat depth, and, like, those guys, like, they're not going to be able to get I think the judges will look for you to get like your entire leg like under the top of your knee and those guys with their quads it's like they can get their hip under maybe yeah. the hip crease which is the rule but like they're not getting like the top of their quad you know like there's that small 
area, and it's like, all right, well. Yeah, some of these guys' quads will be up to their fucking chest when they're squatting. Like, they would have to literally sit on the ground, and the quads are still going to be over their knees. Yeah, like, some of these guys, it's just like, good luck. At that meet, if I came into that meet, and I was a bigger guy, and, like, maybe I was, like, a closer stand squatter, I'd be like, well, I'm screwed. Yeah. Like, there's no way I'm going to make a squat look ridiculously deep you know like it's just not gonna look like that and these are kind of the intangibles that get thrown in there where sometimes the strongest person walks away with just their opener and it's like well shit now it's anybody's me like now it's anybody can can walk in there and well people are getting red lighted on openers i think you got red lighted on his opener uh when I was he watching, only he only hit his second squat and then he skipped his third when i was watching the watching for the guys i don't i there was fucking maybe five percent to ten percent of people might have hit their openers. Everyone else was red lighted. Was, there was a, there was a lot of people getting. It was old. Their, their second was the only thing they hit, or their third. It was crazy. Yeah. There were so many bomb outs, and then people missing weight. Like Joey Sullivan missed weight, and there were people bombing out. And then um, when Ben Pollock missed his dead, and he had to come back and go for it again, I'm like. Jesus, if Ben doesn't get this either, like, this is a crapshoot, man. Like, it could be anybody's day. Like, you had a, a, some big-name bomb outs as well. Um, yeah. John Hack as well didn't get a squat in, and it was kind of nerve-wracking, man. And Steffi Cohen, I think Steffi Cohen, who, crazy hype behind Steffi Cohen. We had her on here before. Super nice, like, personality-wise and everything. And she, I think, got her very last, if I'm not mistaken, I think she missed her opener, came back, missed her second, Came back, I think so. got her third, and it's like, thank God. Well, which would have been crazy because the year before that, she bombed out on squats. Like, yeah. Like, that would have been a fucked up thing for her to you, do two years in a row. You know, if you bombed. I think she, I think she bombed on bench the year before. Did she? Okay. So I'm, not, I'm not positive. But you know it's nerve-wracking when you bomb before, come back, and you're you're like literally back to the wall. It's like, holy shit. Here we go. Yeah, I've, I've missed an opener before. I think I bossed the bosses like two years ago. I hit my opener high. But it was because like one of my knee wraps is looser than the other. But still, you're just like, oh shit, like, <laughs> what's gonna happen? <laughs> like, I better hit this second. Like, you just like, Ugh. <laughs> 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 yeah. give it everything I have. <laughs> it's okay if it's like a technical thing, but if you miss it on strength, you're like, ah, oh, shit. It's not. It's hard to come back and get stronger in a minute or like five minutes or whatever. I, I missed my opener on strength and I was screwed because I missed my last warm up in the back. You, you showed that. Uh, yeah, you put that on your Instagram. So what what happened there anyways? What's the background behind that was, stuff? The whole prep was like a shit show. But I ended up, um, cause I was in the 242s, and I knew it, like I had a shoulder issue. So basically I knew the highest possible total I could get. Mm -hmm. I was like, the best total I could probably hit at this meet would be like right around 2200, if everything goes perfectly. Because I knew like how much I could bench with my shoulder, I knew how much I could deadlift with how my shoulder was, right? So... I was like, at 2200, if I weigh in at 242, more than likely that Wilkes isn't going to be good enough to get top three. So I was like, well, I guess I got to weigh in lighter, right? Because uh, there's no reason. Because I'm like, I'm not going to show up weighing at 242, do the best I can just to get like fifth. Yeah. You're not, you're not going to win any money. So to me, it was like, anything worse than third place is a loss either way. So I didn't really. I just put that risk on the table. You know what I mean? I just took the risk. So I ended up weighing in. I cut all the way down to 220. But I had to weigh in in the 242s technically. So I weighed in at like 220.5. Whoa, so you cut like 22 pounds for this? Yeah, I cut weight down. I was like 250 
when I did the meet um, um, five weeks out. So I died it down to around 240, and then I cut to 220. Wow. Just and nothing worked out. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think, like, obviously the injury and then the weight cut probably hampered you and you put all those together, and it was just going to be a bad day? Yeah, every, like literally everything went wrong in that prep. I had to start wearing knee wraps again, which I hadn't done in a year. And every session just, basically, because I only had five weeks, it was like if I'm going to do knee wraps, pretty much every session has to go well. And every session went wrong. And then I ended up like straining my, um, what is that, my hamstring tendon? Yeah. Some knee wrapping. So then I couldn't wear knee wraps for like two, three weeks. And I was just going to do sleeves. But then, like, I snuck in a session in knee wraps, so I was like, I'll still do knee wraps. Like, was... yeah, it sounds like you. Yeah, it's gonna be a tough day. And when you it was like, I, like I showed up, and I was like, I'm showing up, kind of giving my best. You know what I mean? But it's like, yeah, everything was going wrong. Sometimes I, it was like, just go and deal with it. Sometimes you just have to almost pray for a miracle. You're like, fuck it, man. I'm already here. Hopefully, everything works out. Cause, like you said. If you're looking at it like, um, I'm going to load the bar to pace me for top three. And if I don't get it, then it doesn't matter because I don't care if I got in five. It's either top three or bust. And if that's because... Yeah, you know, like that's the thing with the US Open, which kind of makes it annoying because you're like, I'm not going to purposely go for fifth place. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to do that. That's stupid. So it's like, I'm always going to try to do whatever it seems like it's going to take to get a top three. Mm-hmm. And if I don't, then I don't. But it's like all the same. You know what I mean? It's like either top three or not top three. Yeah. So if I got fourth, like I'm still taking as a loss. You know? Yeah. Being in a like, so you compete in the U.S. Open. The probably tribute would be based on Wilkes. You think Wilkes is pretty fair on weight classes? Mm. Um. I mean, how do you make a comparison? You know, the problem is with the point of Wilkes is to try to make a comparison between like a super heavyweight and like a 220 guy, yeah. which you just really can't do. So it's like, a lot of people hate Wilkes, but it's like, well, what Wilkes is trying to do is like something you can't really do well to begin with. So mm-hmm. I don't really see a better option. I, I think personally, I just think it needs to be updated. I, I agree with you on that, that there's not many options on how you're gonna compare that. It's just that when that was, when that was created, lifters weren't lifting what they lift now like there wasn't you know well, the, the, there wasn't yeah, there especially, wasn't especially on the women's side that's the, why the women's no, no, like the women's side was the women. world. yeah but i mean there wasn't also the ray williams of the, of the sport you know what i mean the 400 plus pound guys squatting a thought 1100 pounds sport, i mean it's different like it's, it's, it's a different that heavy heavy super heavyweight is wasn't there like the, those they were 300 pound guys that was a big dude then you know not not 400. And not only that so when he um, when he made the formula, so that's, I fucking, I'm not sure exactly when he made the formula, but like you said, the athletic 400 pounders weren't there. And back then, a raw squat of 800 pounds was fucking blow your hair back type deal. Now, that's like not, that's like not even an opener. Like that's like, so in, in terms of how many big men were good back then, there was far fewer in terms of talent pool or, or ex, like you said, the women, um, there was far fewer to draw from if you're going to take sample size. So when he's formulating an algorithm, his sample size 
was way smaller and the bigger your sample size the more outliers and the more the freaks genetic freaks start coming out we're pulling freaks from different sports now like track athletes etc and now if you made a formula with all you guys as a sample size it'd be better now i'm a statistician so i got no fucking way i don't know how to make it better but there's got to be somebody out there we could get to be like listen study, well, study the stats and create a formula that's well based on what you just said is that you know you need a you need a a, a pool of people to go from and it's why the women's is so th so much because when he wrote that there was two no, yeah <laughs> like there was no no yeah. nothing to freaking compare off of right no. so because, because you're looking at you're looking at the numbers now and I mean there's there's going to be seven hundred Wilkes lifters like that's fucking insane yeah yeah. What CC hit like six fifty or something? Yes. Uh, no, I think like she was CC and that. Stephanie. I think CC was like six sixty seven or something. Yeah, that's and she was listen. She didn't. Do her she's career. like early in her career too. And, and she didn't do her last poll because she didn't have to. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nice. <laughs> that, was, that was light work for her. That was that was she like yeah I don't need to do my last poll so I just won't show up. But um, yeah, so exactly you got people like CC now. So I think that thing's got to be updated to books. Yeah. That's one of the things we could definitely see across. But also, at the end of the day, you're trying to compare, like, Milanichev at, like, 350 to Yuri at, like, 220. So, like, How do you do if, the, if the numbers are close enough, can you really definitively say, like, this guy's better than that guy? Or, yeah. You know? It's a tough. It's going to be a tough gig, no matter whoever sits down and tries to crunch the numbers and make a, an algorithm like that. And that's not really our thing, either. I'm sure. like, I feel like it's one of those things, like, it's just a cool stat, like, oh, that's interesting, like, to relieve them, but... So what, what makes it, what makes it more, um, so at the very least with, like, in, in our, the organization we lift in IPF, you, you get a trophy, best lifter, whatever, whatever, not a big deal, you want, you're, it's basically, you're, you become a champion in your weight class, but for you, that little fucking stat is the difference between, like, 10 Gs or 40 Gs. Or yeah. that's why it's like, damn it, man, we got to, you know, it's it's tough because um, it will favor some bigger men. Although, Yuri's not a huge guy and he wins it, so kind of is. Yeah, he's, he's just awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a damn freak. He's Russian. He's like a, a, a yeah. Russian experiment. The government worked on him and made him and sent him over here. Yeah, he's just a phenomenal. I'm interested to see where he ends up because... I don't know. I think at some point he's going to squat nine and pull a thousand in the same meet, which is absolutely insane. pretty, pretty scary. And he doesn't cut any weight either, right? Very little. Not usually. Sometimes he'll cut to 220, but I think he walks around like 225-ish. Yeah. Which is nothing. This is a 24-hour weight. Yeah. Imagine this dude cut like, he doesn't even have to drop a weight class, but just cut to beef up his wilts. It'd be insane. It's almost like he doesn't cut just to make it interesting. Well, the, the other part to throw on top of that is he'll squat 900 and pull 1,000, and 1,000 will be beltless. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That's the fucked up part. Like, when he pulls, like, he's pulling 900, it's beltless, and you're yeah. just like, fuck. Like, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I mean, Believ was the same way. I wish him, because he only did total, he only did on full meets, like, early on, and then he was just doing deadlift only meets, but... I feel like if he ever did like a meet when he was 100% and cut to 198, he would have totaled like close to 2200 on 198. That's insane. Who do you, who do you think? Do you think there's somebody who could take that that big check away from Belkin next year? Who do you think is his chief rival? 
Um, I mean, I think if Melanich had went, they could get very close, I'm sure, because he had a huge Welks. Yeah. And he walked out squats and all that, so, like, that would definitely be... Because Yuri didn't hit, like, a huge, huge total. No, he, I think he only went four for nine or something, didn't he? He didn't, yeah, he didn't really have a great day. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't, like, have a crazy total at the U.S. Open. So, if Melanichev was on, I'm sure he kind of won it. it. It really does depend on who's who hits and who but that, But that's the crazy part about Yuri is that, like you said, like, he's a phenomenal athlete, but he had a shit day in one. Yeah. Like, a shit day for It didn't him. cut anything in one. Like, you... Yeah. You would think just cut a little bit just because the 40K just put it out of reach. But, but he never really has like a, a 7 for 9 or 8 for 9. He's always like a 4 for 9, 5 for Is 9. He? But yeah, Yuri doesn't really use I mean, that also kind of came down to the judging and the meat, though. Because he, he got led by on his opener. He hit his second, and then he just passed his third. Because I think he was like, I'm not messing with his judging. This is stupid. So why even waste energy? And then on bench, I think he, I think he went like two for three or three for three or something. And then on deadlifts, you have the issue where the guys were having issues hook gripping with the bar because they were using like a, a Chris Duffin deadlift bar. And I guess the way the knurling was, it was making it really hard to hook rip. Is that what it was? Yeah. Because that happened to Ben Pollock. I brought that up in one of our other ones is that there was a lot of compla- uh, complaints about the Kabuki strength bar. Um, but it was only the hook grippers that were complaining. They were saying they're having a fuck of a time holding on to it. Because hmm. I know he did put out a post saying we're going to go back and look at this thing and see what happens. Yeah, like I don't like I don't hook grip, but I saw what was going on. And basically, the thing with Yuri is he can't pull over nine without a hook grip. Hmm. So I think that's why that's the reason why he didn't deadlift a lot because he went hook, and then he had to switch the over under so. That's what when I saw, like, I knew he wasn't going to pull more than, like, nine. Because he had the hook. And those guys, like, like I think some of the knurling would just, like, cut their thumb or something. The skin, like, well, kind of hooks, I don't know. but Pollock did that. Pollock came out when he missed his first lift. That's he what was, scared He me. was hooked, and he came out. But when he came back out, he was over-under. Yeah. He, so he, he changed. Up. Yeah. But that's what I've seen. I've seen a lot of people complaining about the, about that. It's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's but not. I, but I, aren't they using, I thought I just seen them. I thought they were using the same one for the Tribute. No, they, I talked to the director. They're doing Texas bars all around. Oh, are they? Like Texas squad, Texas deadlift, and power. And that's not good advertising for a Kabuki strength, is it? When, when you... Well, they, they, were, they weren't like the official bars. They were on... Prototypes, I guess. So I don't know. Like, ah, gotcha. I, don't know if I, got, I don't know if he switched it for production. Like, I really don't know what the deal is with the bars. I'm pretty sure they designed them. That, that bar was just specifically designed for that U.S. Open, like, because it had it like stenciled into it, whatever else. Like, it was they had done it for the U.S. Open, but ended, I think up, so. ended up being a terrible advertisement. Like, ah, shit! It became a prototype, anyways. It became like, yeah, it was just something. Something with the way the knurling is cut was an issue for hook grippers. I think. I don't know. I don't hook grip, but... Yeah, me neither. I don't get into that funny business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've tried to hook grip, but I just can't fucking do it. Yeah. I double over way more than I hook grip because, like, I guess my form is just really tight, so I can't... When I try to put my thumb in that position, I can't get my arm straight because my fucking arms are just too tight. Well, the thing with, like, hook grip, too... So I get that you're, symmetrically speaking, um, you're even on both sides of your body, which when you overhand, it does impact you. You can maybe get a little tighter than on the other side. So that feels weird over time. One side gets tighter, tighter, tighter. And then um, also hook grip, your arms are a little longer. 
but sometimes it's harder to rock your lats back and lock your lats into position um, because it's, it's a little easier with one overhand and then you pull back that overhand so I get a little tighter that way and then there's a the whole fucking Dude, I pull better so for conventional I can get tighter with one underhand because I can yeah. just pull my shoulder back tighter yes but the problem with me and sumo is because my hips are kind of tight just where my elbow ends up and the underhand is this arm's just kind of bent so I just get like the whole helicopter thing where when my elbow gets near like my thigh the bar just kind of flips out so mm. I can't pull more than like 720 sumo without straps. Is so. you, <laughs> when you do sumo, do you do like wide or are you like a little bit of a hybrid style where you're fairly, fairly close sumo? Because there is like... Yeah, I, get, I get as wide as I can, but I got pretty tight hips. So <laughs> yeah. it's pretty fast. Because if I try sumo, man, my sumo is basically conventional with my arms between my legs. <laughs> I, look like, I look like I'm doing a sumo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there is a, it's funny how, like, even sumo, there's so many different styles of sumo. Like, Deadlift Panda, I don't know if you've uh, seen him, 83 kilo guy, US, US uh, lifter, and he has, like, a crazy big deadlift. But his feet are relatively close, pointed forward, a little bit different. He gets a little bit more back. Taylor. But he doesn't have that spread where his hips get closer to the bar. There's a bit of a trade off. So it's all about, like, your levers, right? Yeah, okay. did you say yeah. Taylor? Yeah, Kayla's feet are forward. Yeah, yeah. He's like a spider or something. He's so like he has such a like freakish body because he has like a small waist, with really broad shoulders, open hips. Like he just his, it works. Yeah, it's not only that. His his deadlift to watch is it's so fucking explosive coming off the ground. Like when he sets. Yeah, I don't know how he does it. Like with hook, how he just like kind of rips it. And it doesn't come out of his hands. Yeah. But it's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you see him setting up, and then when it goes, when he fires that thing, it is fucking explosive, man. Like, it, how fast it, he he hits it and up. And his arms are so flipping long. If you watch on his videos, yeah. if you, like, pause it, his arms are so, he's either going to be a deadlifter or a fucking Like, boxer. I'm pretty sure if I ever tried to be as explosive as him, like, I'm going to have fucking a spinal broke. Like, because yeah. like if you, if, like, to me, like, yeah. if you if you miss it, and you're that explosive, like, you're pretty much picking your vertebrae up off the fucking ground after that. Like, it's, it's going to hurt. Kayla's got a hell of a conventional, too, though. Yeah. Like, Kayla's not... He's, he's, well, that's the thing. Most good sumo pullers are always good conventional. It's rare that someone's, like, really good at sumo and can't pull a decent conventional. Yeah. But there's a lot of really good conventional pullers that, like... Can't pull sumo. Cannot do sumo. Isn't it weird? I think it's... Far more likely that's the case. When all these guys on the, whenever we repost sumo polls and people are like, oh, it's fucking sumo. Well, how much can you conventional? How much that's what people say, right? It's like they usually couple. don't pull much less conventional. Honestly. Yeah, and, and that's the truth. And um, these dudes that we repost that pull conventional, sumo's not easier. If we told like Jesse Norris or whoever the shit who does a lot of conventional pull sumo, it's not going to be more. I'd be surprised if it's the same. It's probably going to be less. Like, sumo is not easier. I don't know why, like, people just think, oh, it's all about range of motion. Man, what do you think? It's not easier. It's just if you happen to be someone who is built better for sumo, it's just going to be an advantage. You know what I mean? But it's not easier. No. Neither, neither is easier or harder. It's just what you're built better for. If you do one rep max, as well, I guess it'd be conventional because you always pull conventional. But how close is your sumo one rep max to your conventional pull? Is it close? We're straps very close. What, I, pulled, I pulled, there was a week 
right before I started prep, I pulled 770 sumo beltless, and then the next week I pulled 800 conventional with a belt. Oh, that's so like with straps, they're very close, but which without straps, I can't pull more than like 720 sumo. Yeah, just because the conventional, I actually pulled better without straps. Oh, no shit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, see? I mean, that's what most people think, like, sumo is easier and cheating. It's like, man, if that was the case, everybody pull sumo. Why wouldn't you? You know what I mean? If that's... It's not easier. It's just, what are you better built for? What kind of plays to your strengths, you know? Yeah, same thing. I train, I train both, so... Yeah. I well, it's like, when we interviewed Kaylor, Kaylor said he trained that in school. Like, he, he started with sumo, which is, you know, is... Rare. Rare. That that's what his strength yeah. training was in, in thing, but that's why he became so good at it. But he was one of the first ones because of social media stuff that it really called out people when they said, "Oh yeah, what's your fucking conventional?" And then you know the next week he does a twenty pounds left with with conventional, and he was that guy that would start telling you know basically saying people calling them out saying where the fuck you at now because I remember the first time he did it he'd literally start listing all the people that called him out on his really? store. <laughs> he did it and he's like where are you at now because he was he, it was literally like twenty pounds less on his thing yeah yeah and he actually did yeah he, he was that guy he was that guy but it was hilarious he just start calling people out where are you at now and just groups eh like oh you know, man that's funny <laughs> oh shit so okay we had you off for an hour and a half. Um, one question we like to ask everybody before we let them go is um, when all is said and done and you look back on your powerlifting career, how would you like to be remembered? I don't know. I'm not really that kind of guy that's like, I want to be remembered for like this or that. Like, I don't know. I just want to train hard and fucking hit bigger numbers, honestly. Like, so hopefully people remember that like I just fucking worked really fucking hard it was really focused is, is there is there what's your next goals is there more um, I really want to hit a thousand kilogram total in sleeves at this next meet that's what I really want and who who's uh well I would assume Balkan Balkan's hit a thousand kilo total right he doesn't do sleeves he's always in knee reps has anyone ever hit it in sleeves at your weight class Nah, 242, the record right now is Larry has it with, it's like 2171 or 72. And what's that in kilos? Is that 1,000? No, 1,000 kilos is 2204. So you'll be the first. You'll be the lightest man to hit 1,000 kilos in sleeves. That's the goal. <laughs> That's a nice one, man. That's a nice way to be remembered right there. It's, still, it, it's whenever you're first. You know what I mean? Like, other people will hit it in the future. We know this. But everybody remembers who did it first. But, uh, yeah. So I'd also be the lightest to do 800 squat in just leaves and 800 deadlift, I think. In the same meet? Yeah, if I did it. So there you go. There, there's, there's the next one. You heard Thanks. it here first, everybody. I well, mean, that's with an asterisk, because obviously Ed Cohn could have. So, like, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but he's the GOAT. Okay, well, thank you for coming on, Kevin. Love to have you back again. Uh, great interview, and good luck with your training, sir. Thanks, it was fun. Yeah, Thanks. you bet. Sure. See you, mate. See you. A quick hour and a half. Kind sir. Yeah, him being a track star. I actually didn't realize, because he, he's huge now. But it makes sense when you're in high school, you could be a sizably small. But you knew he would have to be a spurning 100 to 200-meter dude. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much expensive. If he was a 10,000 meter dude, he'd be like, like Mo Farah. 
Well, the long the long run guys, no. But I mean, like when you when you look back through different guys, I mean different generations, like the Ben Johnsons, the different people of of sprinting and stuff like that. To say they were small, I mean Ben Johnson's quads were fucking enormous, dude. You know what? I'm just I'm just googling right here because I just want to say, um, I just dropped the Mo Farah. Is it Mo Farah? I just want to be yeah. So it's Mo Farah. So Mo Farah for anyone who doesn't realize, um, really small dude. Like I mean, like we're talking a hundred. 15 pound dude who's like a multiple time Olympic champion and um, he does I think around like 10 yeah 10,000 meter run he fucking for his training people are like what do you do for training his squats he powerless squats deadlifts bench he does the powerless he said and and, and people are like for the 10,000 meter let alone for the um, 100 200 meter and it's kind of like Kevin was saying where uh, people are like well you don't want to get too bulky you don't want to Take a look at Mo Farah, man. If you like, I gotta pull up right now. Anyone listening? Google Mo Farah. The guy is—it's M O F A R A H. The dude is like literally 115 pounds, man. It's just a little stringy. It doesn't have to make you big. If you're naturally small frame, you'll stay small. But it's close. It's, it's, the, the, the difference is that people think so. He can do the three lifts. He's probably not going for a fucking one rep max, but he's hitting some volume on it just mm -hmm. to build strength, coordination. Like there's a, there's explosiveness you're gonna build. Like maybe he's only repping 200 or 225 or whatever it is, you know, because for shitload of weight, for shitload yeah, and, and a lot of different conditioning and on whatever he's doing. But that that's the misconception is they think that that one time they go in and they go for a PR that they're gonna come out looking like fucking Arnold. Yeah, you know, like it's it's well, come out looking like Kevin Oak. And, and Kevin said. Um, when I was hitting weights, I don't like. I, I think my conditioning went up. If that sounds funny, but your muscles are being worked. It it, it makes sense. And also, here's another thing: it's your CNS too, um, and your central nervous system as well. Yeah, your engine literally gets. It helps. Your engine is what helps your body create force, which can propel you. It's coordination. It's firing. Like the whole thing. Like you're. You have to. It's in in powerlifting. You have to be explosive. If you're a hundred meter, hundred like it's it's made or break a lot of times off the blocks. Mm -hmm. So if you're not explosive coming off them blocks, look, we're Canadian. Everybody, uh, you don't have to be Canadian to remember Ben Johnson. Yeah, um, the guy that was fucking jacked, and everyone like the, his numbers are infamous. His gym numbers infamous. Like he was for a dude his size who was completely jacked. The numbers he's putting up, he was benching um, because you actually use upper body when you're swinging the arms yeah. even more than you think. And his bench was like, like fucking well into the late three hundreds. And he's a sprinter, like he's not like lifting to. Yeah, but I remember like when he when he would compete, he literally looked show ready. Like the definition of his quads, legs. Like when he'd walk out there, you're like, Ben's winning. Like it's just when he walked out, he had that that you just thought to yourself, Ben's winning. Like he's yeah. a fucking monster out there, you know. But and uh, so well, and it was funny watching the Olympics when Mo Farah was running. So it's ten thousand meters, right? And, um, and, and here's another thing that I just wanted to say too, I was going to say is uh, when you run this much and you run as much as they have to in training, you actually lose muscle mass, okay? And for a guy this size, if you lose too much muscle mass, you end up literally becoming just skin and bones. So that's where the squats will help maintain something. He doesn't, he's not going to be huge, but he's also not going to wilt away into nothing, right? As well as your nervous system, the engine has more firepower, which is always good to increase the horsepower. But when he took a tumble watching the Olympics, he's racing around and it's close to the end when you're exhausted and he took a tumble. Now, if you've ever been like this close to fatigue, oftentimes, like when I mean he took a tumble, I mean he took a tumble and did like a fucking roll, somersault, and I had to pop back up. And usually that really bangs you up. When you're exhausted, if you're, you, you just keep pacing. You're not you just getting keep, back up. 
If you could just keep going, you're okay. Don't fuck with me, I'm okay. I just keep going in this lane, I'm okay. When you're that tired, if someone pushes you and you go for a tumble like that, it mentally everything, you're off groove, you're fucked. He popped back up and fucking started going and the, and the commentator's like, that's that power thing training right there. He's tough, he's his engine. And I was like, yeah, the power finally, it just helps break the mystique of powerlifting where you well, lift weights for sports. But it, a, a person, certain well, sports. One of all, I just, when I picture him, I picture he eats like a hummingbird. Like just steady, eh? Like for that long distance run and stuff. But when we're, the different the different athletes, some of these people that, that have made it, some of the most famous athletes of all times of being through strength training, Bo Jackson, one of the most gifted athletes ever. Yeah. And he was strong as fuck. I would, like, you, you know, a guy like Bo Jackson, I would love to see him in the gym. Yeah. This dude was crushing home runs and then hit the football field, smashing records. Like this dude was like the phenomenal athlete in in, in two sports that are the biggest sports in the U.S. Like base, baseball, which is America's sport, and football, which is America's sport. It wasn't like he he was fucking like two fringe sports. And not only that, but it wasn't like he was just playing. He was known in both sports. He's, a, like, he's an all star. I mean, mistaken. He, he, yeah, he was he was on your fucking Cheerios. Like, yeah, that, yeah, that guy was, when you wake up in the morning, he, he was. He, Cause, and he, he wasn't had, just... He, he had his own cartoon. He had fucking all kinds of bone nose. Remember the bone nose Nike shoes? Yeah, like, yeah. And he wasn't just also uh, really good in one sport, okay in the other. I mean, fucking top of the top in both sports. So there's some... You could picture he's fucking phenomenal football player. Okay, baseball. He made the bigs, which is phenomenal, but he just made... No, 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 my friend. He was like all-star bigs in baseball and one of the best in football in his, in his position. Like, he was that guy. And you got you got phenomenal guys like Michael Jordan who couldn't pull that off. No, and you see, there, there's people in there that have made it into both sports, but not, I'm like pre- not like that. And I'm pretty sure now is why you don't see it as often. Is I read something before about a lot of uh, pro sports now, they don't allow it. They don't allow that chance of injury. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you painted, well, well, and yeah, so let's talk about the bow. Bo ended up being injured and fucked up, and like his, his prime at the top was shorter than... So you look at you look at it, you're paying, you know, $30 million a year for a guy to play in the fucking NFL, and then he's like, well, I'm going to take a run of baseball, and you're like, no, or no, how you're about, not. How about you're paying a guy $30 million in baseball, he's like, I'm going to fucking play football. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's not exactly a sport where you, you can be fresh by the time you hit our team. And our season starts up. When you're doing football, for God's sake, man, you're going to come back on a show. Yeah, like if you're in the NBA and you're like, oh, I think we're going to do a round of the PGA, you're like, yeah, fuck whatever, man. Fuck, go ahead. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. It's, we're not so worried about that. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's different. And that, and then you could also picture someone being, uh, and nobody would, if you make it 50 million, you're not going to start powerlifting, competing in powerlifting. Probably not, because it's only for fun. Although sports for fun isn't half bad either. But uh, powerlifting is a sport. It's like almost, it's training. It's basically exercising. Where our sport is a competition of exercise. So you could do powerlifting in one of these other sports, but this is totally, totally different doing uh, those other two sports that have not related the, to the, the, the problem. The only, the only real problem with our sport is it's, it's unrecognized. Like it's getting closer to the OIC or I, whatever you want to say. IOC. IOC. It's getting closer to where it needs to be, but until that day comes where it is a sport, it's considered too much of a hobby to yeah. become a sport. Like it's a hobby sport. It's a hobby sport because you don't get yeah. paid to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like people yeah. that go out fishing on a regular basis make, make more money than yeah, well Ryan Bregman, who's co hosted this several times, um, he, he just he's saying that he's probably pulling away from powerlifting 
because he went to um, he was he long made, drive. He did long drive world championships, uh, and he took a little time off and he started doing powerlifting. He for fun went to a long driving qualifier for the worlds, narrowly missed out, and the guy pulled him aside and said, "What are you doing? Do you realize you can make be making five G's a pop with some of these competitions? Five G's a pop, and then sponsorships and the whole nine. He's like, look at powerlifting's fun." And he had to like sit back and really think about it because he loves long drive. Like he, he long drive before powerlifting. And, and so we'll lose a power lifter to long drive. You know what I mean? Like this is, when it comes to um, like fighting for the youth, the athletic youth, and, 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 and making them join your sport, we can't, we, you go nowhere with powerlifting. We can't offer that. We can't offer education. You could go fucking get, get your university. Uh, uh, no, one university. It's more, it's more than that. There's a couple universities now in the U.S. that are offering offering uh, scholarships on powerlifting. Really? Yes. But it's nowhere near, it's it's not even close to like wrestling, football, or any of that shit. Like Division One teams where no. it's like NCAA, basketball. Like, so this, this work. So I guarantee the guy that's in powerlifting still actually has to do his own fucking homework. Yeah. Like, you know, like, like, it's, it's, like it's not the college people, the college football, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's the nerd in the class that's doing it. It's like, yeah. so, so this, this is what I'm saying, where like, if you're in the US, you're a super athletic guy, they're like track, man. They, every single school. So if you're if you show some athletic ability, your dad, your parents, and yourself are going to be like, look at man, you could get an education out of this sport. Look at man, if you're good enough at, it, let's say you go to university and you're a star, you can actually make money out of this sport. Powerlifting, you get nothing. No. You, get, you get you know what you get you get a KOTL podcast. Yeah. You get reposted on KOTL. Yeah. That's about as good as you get. <laughs> but, but in the U.S. too, it's it's dense with people. It's dense with multimillionaires. It's it's, it's when you look at the people and like it. The population under all it takes is one person to fall in love with the sport. Look at the U.S. Open. Yeah. Here we're going to throw fucking quarter million dollars or half million dollars so, into the sport. So it only takes that one person to start doing it, right? Yeah. And and for a university like the the for them to do it and they they're okay now they're going to sponsor someone at it. There's somebody there that loves powerlifting yeah. because they would never have done it. Right? Yeah. And and the bigger we get, the more people get involved, the more people hear about it, the more like live streams and the more, more that's why I push the live stream um, and I know it's kind of a pat on my own back because I'm on the IPF fucking media team but it does make a difference like it is the IPF the reason why they drop so much money on their live stream is because if someone watches or someone gets told to watch and it's the world's and they're being told this is the biggest event it has to look like fucking TV it has to look quality so not only the sponsor be like how do I get involved people get excited and you get drawn but if you put it on and it's one static camera, no commentary, just whatever. It looks like it's getting streamed from a high school. That's not, people aren't going to, you're not going to bring people into that. You're not going to want to get involved. Well, no, not when you have your local bowling on Sunday who has commentary. They have six angles, six angles, replay, fucking yeah. whatever yeah. else. And I mean, and then they say Slow this replay. is the world of powerlifting. And it's just, if some, it's just people walking in and out and you don't all you, you don't have the score all you hear them is scream and holler and walk back yeah. and forth and move some weight you don't see and you don't have you don't have the the, the height to it you don't see it's a world record you don't see anything about it you're like well that guy moved some weight and i mean look especially in powerlifting you generally only follow the weight classes around you because it's really hard to follow somebody like you, you may follow the bigger guys harder a lot of time to follow smaller guys because you don't know what it is like you don't and, know if that's a record you don't know fucking shit and watching people exercise is entertaining but watching, like, if the one thing that, like, a like commentator will also help do is put in perspective, what am I watching? Well, if he hits this, he pulls within 10 kilo of the subtotal. And walking into deadlifts, if you look at the deadlift openers, wow, he's opening bigger. So then, so you start setting up, and you're, you're 
you're helping explain the story, and you even have story arcs, like before I go and commentate, I have story arcs already in my head. Well, the one, I mean, like the one you're building into, for instance, was Gibbs. Gibbs was not just he won, a couple of bad years, whatever else, and, and it was nice to see him win, but also the 10 times body weight, the yeah. heaviest guy, right? Like that's Well, that's, so initially, and I already knew going in, um, it'll be Russell versus Gibbs, but if Gibbs start pulling away, which some people thought he might by the time Bench rolls around, then I switch up the story in terms of entertainment watching to can he do it? Can he be the first man to an 83 kilo class to 10 times body weight? And all of a sudden you have a new narrative. But it's, it's um, you got to respect what the package has to look like when people are watching. It is like a, it's fucking entertainment well, it's, media. It's, it's an art like, form in and of itself to like package it like that. It's like anything. I mean, if the commentators don't come in prepared and they don't build it up, you, you look at Bolt. When Bolt first hit the scene and he started, you know, he was out there the running. Yeah, like if you, if you get the commentator there, like what do you, what do you say? Like you're like, oh, it's a close race for the first three feet. You know what I mean? Like and then why? Like you're like and then, and then all you're doing is commenting, commentating second, third, and fourth because first is fucking so far out there. You're yeah. just like, yeah, he won. Like you could have yeah. set up when he was. It, and it's it's not just commentating, but obviously like slow mo replay, multiple angles, the whole nine. It is important that we put together these packages for people. And not only just to like gain the athletic youth, which we need, which makes the sport bigger, which but which, also is, which, which I believe the sport is gaining, though, because you do oh, see yeah. a lot of people. Oh, there's far more of us. But um, yeah, I I don't know. I'd like to see. I'd like still like to see some more stuff in there, like the the build up, the build up of, of the athletes, and yeah, the big battles. And not just that, but it's it'd be nice to see. When they come out, like a little bit more stats on them, you know what I mean? Like, ah. a, like a flash, you know. Remember the the original UFCs when they first come out? They would come out and they would give kind of like a. a yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. We, we, I mean, you look back now; it was a fucking comedy reel. But I mean, that kind of thing though, where they they get a chance once in a while. Like to a just, take. We do have some of those for the IPF in the world. Oh, excuse me, but a lot of people don't hand them in. They got to make it mandatory. Is what they got to do. Because they do have some personal best squat, uh, age, years lifting. But uh, some people don't, and there's no repercussions, so some people just be like, fuck it, I'm not going to The only problem with that, though, is that if they're going to do that, they need to hand them in well in advance, and it needs to be checked. Yeah. Because there's nothing worse than being up there, and all of a sudden you, go to, you announce this, and you're like, oh, this guy here squatted this much at this time, and someone goes, no, he didn't. Well, it, <laughs> sort of. Yeah, here's the thing, though. When it comes to, um, in terms of the list of priorities to the, everything you got to do, that's lower just because it's it's fucking there's a lot of stuff like there's the thing if let's say it was like for instance the usc you got like 16 guys in the overall card that's really easy to fact check but with the uh, worlds it's like two weeks long and there's like i think there's over a thousand people so then like nah I'm not, no one's checking that yeah, yeah and for the big people you know anyways you for the, the big thing is like when russell or walks up there i already know he unofficially broke the squad i already can tell you that but for um the smaller people you're looking for something to talk about That'd be nice, but I'm not fact checking everybody only because there's a fucking thousand people. No, let's say you have to, or anybody. That's what they have. But to me, that's statisticians are for like these numbers and stuff. Yeah. That's, that's I think when we get money, if if there's more money in the sport, you could have guys who for real work, um, not even just like for that two weeks, but for like year round, and they're just crunching numbers like that. Yeah, for sure. But anyways, man, that was a good. Uh, we're approaching two hours now. I gotta smash some food like a motherfucker. Walk punchy and argyle. Thank you for coming on, sir. You're welcome. 
It's been a it's been I, expect my, I expect my fucking check in the mail. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, as usual. Yeah. As per usual. <laughs> okay, so until next time, everybody, make sure subscribe on uh, like we're on Spotify, iTunes. Tell your friends. Post in your stories. The more hype we get, and the more people listening, the more we can start affording more everything from equipment to T-shirts to, to just keep this thing growing as big as possible. Thanks for the support, anyways, and uh, yeah.